Hey, Greg. Hey, Rudolph. How's it going, man? I'm good. Yourself? You're doing well. Cheers, man. Thanks off. so much for t- taking time uh, out of the day. It's the uh, middle of the day there for you, right? Yeah, yeah. Good old lunchtime here. Yeah, nice one, man. Thanks so much. Um, so, listen, I just quickly wanted to talk a few things. Uh, obviously, uh, Land Rovers, uh, or at least Land Rover related, but um, I've been following you for a while now, and obviously, or it's clear, um, it's pretty obvious to say that, uh, you know, of all the pages, I think um, you kind of represent the baddest Land Rovers. Um, at least a combination of the baddest Land Rovers on uh, on Instagram at this stage. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. I mean, uh, it's been really cool to watch uh, what you guys actually, you know, obviously it's a, it's a purest nightmare if you had to come onto the page and have a look at the, the, the <laughs> variety of Land Rovers. But um, it's epic to see uh, what these vehicles are capable of. Yeah, I would say there's, there's not too many stock ones on some of the trips that we go on or more, more modernly modified, but the, uh, the club, the Land Rover club that I'm a part of does, does have quite a few kind of period correct ones that are, that get out and about as well. I've, um, sure. I've taken some pictures of some old series ones and series two that are pretty, pretty historic and, and period correct and are still used off road quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. So how many how many clubs are? Because uh, uh, I mean, you based in um, where are you exactly based? Uh, in well, in California, right? California, Northern California, so east okay, of Sacramento towards Lake Tahoe. Okay, so and, you're actually uh, in that area. Yeah, and there's three three Land Rover car clubs in California. There's a, a NorCal, a, a Southern California, and a San Diego club. The state's so big that there's there's that much um, stuff going on here. Yeah, sure. And do you, do you guys actually have events where you actually all three clubs get together, or it's uh, even too big for that? Yeah, we we do. We have some um, groups that organize events every year. Like that, there's a national Land Rover event that's in Moab. Uh, there's a, another one that's going to happen this year in September. We do regional events like the Great uh, the Western National Land Rover event. It's like every three years or so. Um, yeah. So that, that was a few years ago. That last one, COVID kind of stalled that one out from last year. Uh, but yeah, the car clubs from, you know, all the neighboring states come. So even folks in the Pacific Northwest will come down for some of those. And yeah. people from Arizona and stuff. And then um, a, a couple of friends of mine and, and myself started the, uh, the only Land Rover event on the Rubicon um, that our club kind of, um, manages and runs and keeps going. So this is our third year coming up and that, that's usually where I get most of a lot of my good pictures. Um, I see. I ended up taking so many over three or four days. It it takes quite a while to go back through and actually edit them after a while. Sure. Yeah, because I mean, obviously, I mean, I'm not too much of a photographer, but obviously, uh, the presets or the the filters that you put on obviously gives quite a lot of uh, um, uniqueness to to be to be able to distinguish it uh, to to your photos specifically. Um, you know, and it also kind of gives the it, it creates the atmosphere of what it should be like where um, on the trial itself. I mean, it, it it's got a quite of a. If you look at a lot of the photos, there's kind of this. Um, uh, well, not not only atmosphere, but kind of uh, emotion to the photos that kind of uh, produces the 
exactly the uh, emotions that uh, you will probably find out, uh, you know, when you got rubbers burning and uh, guys climbing and descending on uh, these cliff faces. Yeah. Yeah, I don't so, think necessarily the pictures sometimes do it justice. Um, sure. The difficulty of some of these these trails, um, and the other thing I would say is how um, occupied this that trail is. It's a yeah. really um, there. You know, there can be hundreds of people out there on a weekend. How and how so, uh, how big is the 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 total area of this trail? Well, it's it borders between Desolation Wilderness, which is a kind of a famous area in California and along the mountain ranges, but it. it yeah, it's an old Native American route that goes, um, you know, people would take to come from the Sacramento region uh, up and over the mountains uh, to, to where Reno is now. But it, it goes from a, a place called Loon Lake into Lake Tahoe, so about 21 miles long. I see. Well, that's actually the nice thing of where you kind of based is, uh, you know, if you look at the map, you, you guys are quite kind of central, I would say, or I would assume or guess, uh, uh, to, to kind of... Um, uh, space to to uh, you know for for crawling and so on. I mean, um, you're kind of on the border of um, Nevada as well, and then going south, you've got. Um, I don't know if there's any. I'm assuming there's quite a lot of space to 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 play in around the uh, the Death Valley National Park, or not so much. Yes, yeah, there's lots of stuff down there. Um, it's more flat, and there's some hills and stuff in there as well. Not necessarily kind of the rock crawling you see. Yeah, uh, but you. But there is a, a very famous place down there called Johnson Valley, and that's where the, um, the you know, the Ultra Four and the King of the Hammers races uh, are sure, every year. Sure, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, uh, I've actually I've I've watched a bit of uh, uh, King of the Hammers the last two years actually, uh, but I, I I don't actually remember seeing any. Um, there's no Land Rovers uh, or actually by Land Rover bodies or um, anything close to that uh, in the King of the Hammers. Is there? It's mostly uh, jeeps. Um, and, or obviously well, uh, custom-built uh, vehicles as well. Yeah, I know some of the guys from the UK will bring over, you know, Defender 90 buggy styles that, yeah, uh, that yeah. will we'll run. I don't know that they're actually uh, that competitive or finish, but yeah, it's, you know, I think they have like 65 to 70 people, something like that, run, and usually only like 10 to 15 are finishing. It's... It's it's a kind of a pretty grueling race. Yeah, it's it's it, what is that? I mean, it's kind of a crawling slash uh, darker. Is that kind of a good yeah, way yeah. to kind of explain it? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's quite it's, unique. Yeah, there's nothing really quite like it. It's go fast desert racing, and uh, and then as you get through um, kind of hill sections and rock outcroppings, you're racing up and down these giant boulder walls. Um, there's a place called Chocolate Thunder, which is pretty famous. You can look up some some videos on YouTube of that hill, yeah. and they people kind of go out there and kind of party at night when they're not racing. Uh, but you you can see, I mean, it's a straight up vertical waterfall that needs a lot of throttle. I mean, most of these guys are running Corvette, sure. you know, LS based. To go back to 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 uh, your vehicles or the vehicles that you've been shooting, obviously, I'm assuming there's also quite a lot of um, uh, engine swaps in many of these old little uh, of, uh, landies. Um, looking yeah. at some of them, it seems like uh, you know it's. I'm assuming also for for rock crawling, a lot of them. Obviously, there's nothing wrong with uh, the stock standard engine that most of them came in. 
but uh, with these bigger, bigger uh, uh, rubbers and so on, I would, I would assume that you obviously you've got bigger engines and reduction gears and so on in some of these vehicles. You know, no, I don't think so. Most of them are all running um, stock powertrain and even Land and even Land Rover. Um, you know, upgrade stuff like Ashcroft axles or Great Basin yeah. Rovers drive shafts and axles. Um, and you know, I say a fair amount of them are on 35s. There's some, there's some that are on 37 inch tall tires. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's probably about the max. I would say that anybody's really, really running. Um, there's a yellow one that's been in some of my shots that was built for a magazine and they used, um, they put the Cummins, um, yeah, I saw two point eight like... in it with you know Dana sixty axle. So that that one was pretty ground up, built up to be yeah. you know a crawler. Um, some of the other defenders uh, that have come out have had that 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 Cummins engine in it too, and then and some of the old series trucks have the two hundred TDIs in them. Yeah. But they're still running like Salisbury axles and stuff like that. Yeah, sure. There's one. There's one series. I, I don't know if it's a th series three or actually uh, or a bug eye or um, a series three because I, I have spoken to a few guys that actually uh, swapped out uh, series three wings for bug eye wings. So it's kind of like a creamy uh, color uh, colored uh, yeah. bug eye with uh, a blue fender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that is a that is a a series two a. Um, late late series two with with the with the lights onto the fenders yeah 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 because that's one featured quite a lot uh, throughout your page and I, I, I it's definitely one of my more favorite uh, one of the favorite uh, vehicles uh, that you've been shooting for sure yeah um, that that one's been in that guy's family for a long time and um his his dad's been long into rovers as well and uh, yeah and that one actually i think has a, a, a straight six old ford in it so it it does have kind of a lot of the rover parts gone from it, but the you know it's it's going down the freeway at modern speeds now versus the series sure. series drivetrain. So it's got it's got a more modern transfer case and uh, modern engine in it now. Yeah, yeah. So tell us about uh, tell me about your vehicle. I mean, uh, we we mentioned it quickly the other day when we were talking in the DMs, but obviously you've got a, that multicolored uh, classic Range Rover. Yeah, yeah, it's a '95 um, soft dash, long wheelbase. Um, bought it off a friend, um, so it's been in a bunch of my pictures because you know we've we've been out wheeling together before when I had another classic, um, and you know he was looking at doing something else and and um, made a good offer for it. So I, I picked it up and just finished um, actually yesterday getting it all ready to go. So I drove it home from a, another buddy's house that we've been working on it. Yeah. I'm trying to repair all the trail damage done to it over the last few years. Um, and it, it's on 35s. It's just got the 4.2 Rover engine in it. Um, and it has had the transfer case swapped out. So it's got a, you know, an LT230 out of like a Defender or Discovery. And, um, it's got true track, so they're they're lockers, but they kind of lock once they sense wheel spin. Yeah, it's like um, automatic locker. Essentially, yeah. Yeah. And it's got heavy duty axles, drive uh, flanges, drive shafts, all that kind of fun stuff's in there. Nice one. Um, and did you manage to 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 sort uh, source uh, bead locks like you mentioned? 
Yeah, I have some beadlocks I, I recently picked up that are actually the Ross style, which are pretty neat and unique looking. The old um, ones you that originally. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I need to get those on, but I'm looking forward to getting those. I, I have kind of threw a coat of paint on them and put them on. We've got a trip coming up here in a couple of weeks, so we'll we'll see if there's enough time to get it sorted before that. Sure. Is that a trip before the, the Rovicon, or is, is that what you're talking about? Uh, yeah, just a club trip. We're going to go run. Um, it's it's a trail kind of similar to Rubicon, but much shorter. It's It's only like four miles, and... It's called Hellhole, and that's the actual name of the the lake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's a really uh, it's a lake surrounded by really high peaks around all sides, and so it's yeah. a really steep road down into the lake edge. So, and it's all rock and waterfall kind of thing. So, <laughs> nice one. Did you guys have any uh, of the new defenders uh, uh, that you guys had on the tracks yet, or not? Yeah, yeah, a couple friends have those. Um, are using them for you know kind of more camping overland um stuff like you know they took them out to like death valley and they ran the mojave road which is another kind of famous track that the you know natives used to use to go from kind of the gulf actually or you know the arizona mountains out to the coast so they did that earlier this year um they're they're pretty cool. I mean, they I, I think they're just as capable as like an LR four, the Discovery five. Yeah, just yeah. just slightly different aesthetics. I I did notice that you know there's quite a bit of trunk space lost from you know the LR three, LR four body styles to the new ones. Yeah. Um. So I heard they're gonna make like a a, a one thirty branded version, which will have like a longer trunk, which will be interesting to see and they're i mean they're really wide that was the first thing i noticed about them um, yeah yeah actually because i i mean uh, obviously i've I've seen uh, quite a few of them but obviously i didn't have the opportunity yet to actually sit in one and actually take it uh, for a drive um so it'll just because i, I i've got a, i've got i know people that actually took one up into namibia in the uh Namib dunes and uh there's a few concessions that runs uh, throughout the year um and you know they came back kind of disappointed because all of the electronics failed on this vehicle um and because there's so many uh that kind of dictates the the, the way the vehicle drives uh it kind of ruined the trip quite uh quite prematurely so um i don't know if that was a once-off or something you know that's uh could become a um issue with uh, more than uh, one of these vehicles I haven't um, heard of anybody having any problems yet, but um, you know, anytime you buy it the first year of a model of a car, you 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 know you run into issues once they're trying to sort through all the kinks. Yeah, um, sometimes it's better to buy the second or third year of it. <laughs> Let yeah, them sure. figure it out. For for sure, man. So um, you've mentioned earlier the uh, the Rovicon that you guys are busy putting together. This is uh, happening in August, right? Yeah, yeah, end of August, and um, we we shoot to have it in August every year. There's uh, so many other events going on, and there's actually um, private land that the, the road goes through that we use to camp on. So we kind of have yeah. to co- coordinate with those uh, landowners to see when we can use or camp in their private campgrounds otherwise it's all um 
the rest of the trail is what they call oh it's like open forest so it's dispersed camping yeah so, so you just make your own campsite wherever you want as long as you're more than like a car length off the trail you can camp that's pretty um, cool though I mean, yeah, it, it probably depends. Over. I mean, but it's, um, I'm just uh, thinking it could be quite uh, cool if you're doing like night crawling where you can actually, you know, set up next to a nice um, obstacle and kind of camp it out and have guys kind of throughout the night uh, do obstacles. They do. Yeah, it's um, it's there are people going on this road all day long, every day. Um, some people only wheel at night just because it's more fun for them and challenging yeah um it, it gets quite a festive kind of partying atmosphere too at certain <laughs> obstacle areas that are more difficult than others people kind of yeah. camp up and and uh they'll eat they'll even um what's the word for it but they'll, they'll kind of harass you as you go through and make mistakes you know kind uh, of, i see what you mean yeah <laughs> yeah because obviously uh like you mentioned obviously you've got uh the the land rover the um, uh, club i'm gonna obviously then you, you've got the jeep clubs and the Toyota clubs and everyone coming through in packs yeah um you know, and then obviously you've got a little bit of a rivalry between the Toyotas, i would assume and the land rovers and this and that so um i think it could be actually because i mean here we've got uh we've got a few of the 4x4 events throughout the year where it's kind of um slightly modified vehicles or well there's different classes but most of the times it's slightly modified and, uh, you know, it's always fun just for the fact that you've got that rivalry between the vehicles, uh, which yeah. makes it, you know, so much more interesting, actually. Yeah, no, that's yeah. exactly what it is. And then, you know, I think people get such a kick out of seeing rovers out there because there's they go through there, but they're definitely not the majority. I, w- I would say there's probably more Toyota-based vehicles um, than anything else. And then Nexus Jeeps, you know, they're, they're kind of like pretty much pretty close, pretty evenly matched. And the the Toyotas, you, is uh, what type of Toyotas do you do you see quite often on the trails? The older style bodies, or um, uh, the kind of uh, I don't know what what actually guys use for crawling um, at your site for because for overlanding, obviously you've got the forerunners and those type of things, so the FJs. Yeah, so mostly what you see is the old school pickup trucks from yeah. the eighties yeah. and nineties. Um, the first gen, first, second, and third gen forerunners. Um, and then, you know, the FJ forties that were made in the sixties and seventies are fairly yeah. common. Um, and then, and then 80 series land cruisers and 60 series land cruisers are also pretty common out there. Um, from time to time, you don't typically see 100 series just because they're, they're solid. They're not solid axle in the front. It, yeah. it's, it's really difficult to get through there with independent suspension. Yeah. Um, but, but people do it. Um, occasional see a Tacoma going through there, uh, the newer Tacomas, and you'll even see those with um, solid axle swaps on it, which is kind of interesting too. Really? They'll, you know, they'll, yeah, they'll, they'll put a, a Dana sixty front on the front on, up there, and then sometimes a fourteen bolt Chevy fourteen bolt or GM fourteen bolt in the rear, or Dana sixty in the rear. And... Yeah, but I mean, uh, uh, because the the newer Toyotas aren't really, uh, there's not too much of a market uh, your side, is there? Or it's not too much of an import uh, thing for for you guys to to receive um, kind of the the Land Cruisers, at least the 70 series, um, all the way up to the 200 series. We have the 200 series, but they're you know they're more of a no for sure. That's that's so that's like a city vehicle actually. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then um, we the seventy series to get imported, but they have to be twenty five years or older. 
So, yeah. and then they're all like right hand drives. So, you know, you see them, but they're 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 more rare than they are. And typically, when you see them, they're not typically being used. They're just cool cruiser cars. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Tacomas are everywhere. I mean, they they are the center point of the overlanding fa- uh, fad for sure. Yeah. And well, then, that's a, that's a, the Toyota we don't have again. It's the the Tacoma and the Forerunner. I mean, we've got everything else besides those two uh, for some uh, you know for some reason. Um, but uh, you know, because the, the interesting thing that I well, that I picked up uh, earlier on was uh, it was more relating to overlanding. But um, I saw so many guys driving the the kind of the first generation FJ um, 2007 2008 I think it was um, which was in manual um, which also came with a bunch of problems but here we we didn't have the option of manual we it went straight to to the automatic version um, and then they obviously discontinued it in your side and now it kind of picked up our side again where you can buy a 2021 um, FJ again so oh, wow. uh, It'll be cool to, um, you know, hopefully see them start to reproduce uh, a few FJs again in in, uh, in the future. Does it look the exact same? Did they change the body? Yeah, off? it's exactly the same. Nothing nothing changed, uh, ex- at least externally and uh, internally. I'm not sure exactly, um, you know, the engine is the same, but I'm not sure if there's anything uh, that's been changed. I know in the, the earlier, earlier versions, 2007 uh, up until 2010 or something, there was a few issues that um, that they had to correct, but again, that was the period when you guys had the uh, when it was only available your side, and by the time it got to our side, I think the 2012 going up, I think all most of the issues has kind of been sorted out. So um, yeah, so it's just got a bigger price tag on it um, at this stage. So because uh, obviously it's it's that's quite a uh, unique vehicle and uh, it's kind of sought after as well. Um, hmm. Beyond the uh, the Land Rovers, uh, but uh, with you, with your uh, Range Rover, was uh, what other upgrades did you actually uh, do on your vehicle to to make it kind of fighting fit for the for the trails? Um, besides, got... besides, because I mean, you, you've mentioned uh, a few um, upgrades earlier, but um, that's the upgrades that you've done. Uh, was there any upgrades that was done to the vehicle when you bought it? Um, all the actually. Everything was done when I bought it. Um, I I put it back together, fixed the mechanical things that were broken. But it's I see. it's got um, it's got rover time front and rear bumpers, rear tire swing. It's got a five inch rover time lift. Um, it's running thirty five inch BF Goodrich KO two or KO three tires. Yeah, it's got both on there. Um, and well, the one upgrade I've actually done was replace all the shocks. The shocks were completely destroyed uh, and then i did a gm power steering pump conversion from a company here locally or in california called rw yeah. engineering and it um it is such a great upgrade for you know for the the uh the four liter series uh, v8 powered ones yeah it's it actually increases the pressure and the pump volume the steering through the box so it, it it's Sometimes guys will run um, hydro assist steering setups just to turn the big tires, but uh, you, you can get by with just this GM conversion up to like a 35 without too much problems. So that's yeah. nice. Because there's another there's another uh, classic, I think, that uh, that's sitting quite high. It's, I think it's like an orange one. Um, 
that you've shot a, a few days ago. Um, I think it was an orange. Uh, uh, There's a yellow order. one. Oh, a yellow one. Was it the yeah. yellow one? Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, that one looks quite neat. Built for the uh, built for the magazine four wheeler magazine. Um, I see. So that one's on thirty eight inch tall tires. Yeah, it's on yeah. Dana sixty axles front and rear, and has that that coming Cummins um, R two point eight in. I see. So uh, regarding the the photos, I mean, um, obviously um, you are quite. Um, creative behind the lens is this something that you do as a as a full-time job or it's just a kind of a hobby that goes along with the with the wheeling yeah just a hobby i like taking them out as much as i can on the camera and you know whether it's like you know family vacations or you know going out and kind of off-roading i always try to grab grab a camera and bring it along yeah um, yeah so yeah. i've i've been doing it ever since we kind of gotten got into the sport back um seven, eight years ago now. Um, and over time, uh, you know, you get a little better with taking pictures and uh, some of them are less blurry than the other ones. And um... <laughs> it comes a lot. It comes with time, I guess, as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, because obviously, I mean, uh, you know, there was some of the photos before that you uh, attend. It, it, at least it seems like you kind of shot in situ uh, in the vehicle while going through the trail yourself uh, which actually came out quite cool I can't remember actually I think I saw it yesterday uh, a shot kind of looking back towards the vehicle behind you uh, just probably a while ago but um, yeah man it's uh, you know unfortunately for, unfortunately for us obviously it's um, uh, you know crawling has not really uh, picked up any momentum as uh, as it has your side Um and here it's kind of, you know, when you tend to see a guy with a 37s or bigger on an old Toyota or old Land Rover that's been busted up, um, you know, it just, it's it's so weird how it doesn't really give off the same, um, the same um, aesthetics as a busted up vehicle sitting on 37s, uh, you know, taken uh, a photo of uh, sitting on a trail or something. It's just, um, you know, here... Um, it's uh, mostly uh, obviously be, uh, sometimes beast driving, but mostly um, uh, mud and uh, thick sand and so on. So um, it's actually one thing that we don't tend to see s s too much uh, in, in around Cape Town area, at least, is, um, you know, what you guys uh, tend to have uh, on, on your doorstep. Yeah, it's funny, too, because, you know, 37s is really about the biggest you can go with the Rover drivetrain. Even, even on 37s, you're going to break stuff even 35s and 33s you can break stuff out here with the yeah the weight of the vehicles and the inclines um but you know so many of these guys in, in the jeeps and toyotas out here are running 40s or 42s <laughs> so, yeah with a boot full of cvs i guess well they they just have they run one ton axles yeah um so it's so much easier for them to to run those size tires but you, there's so many new jeeps out now that come from right off the dealership floor with 37s on it yeah so it's, yeah it's not even i would say it's, it's you don't necessarily always notice them going by all the other trucks that are so big sure but with the with the aerobicon uh do you have a minimum uh, tire size that you need to run uh for the for the event yeah we we put requirements in because we have 35 trucks and it's 
we just need to move people through at a, a relatively quick speed. Otherwise yeah. we'll, we'll be out there for a week. Um, so we have a 30, you have to have 33 sliders, armor, at least one locker, oh, some sort of winch and recovery gear. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then obviously you, you have to realize that the, the probability of body damage is, is uh, beyond, beyond common. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. Uh, uh, regarding the lockers, uh, what in your, in your opinion, what do you, would you go for if you had to choose for, uh, front or rear? I think you really want both, but I mean, um, I would say it's hard to say some obstacles you need a front locker to pull you up and then yeah. some obstacles you need a rear to get, to get off the bottom, to get your weight moving. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's challenging to, to, to say which one's better than the other, but, uh, you need at least one and a winch with, with yeah. that, you're going to be okay. At least you can pull your, you know, drag yourself up. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah, because I mean, uh, f throughout the photos, you it's quite evident that uh, panel damage is uh, it's part of the game, it's almost like you're not leaving there without at least a scrape or a bump. Um, and then is it a is it a, a, is, it a is it a full weekend, um, kind of uh, event where you kind of uh, camp two or three uh, a night or two, or uh, how does it work? Yeah, we so we start off most of most folks meet there Thursday night um camp at the start which is loon lake and then friday morning we get up and we kind of take off in staggered groups so some people do come in friday morning to friday yeah. afternoon um and friday's not too long of a day we cover about four or five miles um or maybe less than that, about three and a half four miles and then uh you know we kind of swim and you can fish and then you can watch people come through kind of some of the more famous obstacles like little sluice and soup bowl and um you know hanging around the campfire and then saturday the next day it's a much bigger day it's like a seven eight mile push and then the, the following sunday it's the same it's another big push out to the top so is it a is it a uh do you a do you actually come back to the start uh, on the sunday or you you leave in a different uh, via different exit yeah, you go out onto the Tahoe side. Most of us do. I see. Um, and you, you camp at different places every time, each day. Mm. Um, some people will go in in uh, this year that are going to trailer and turn around and go backwards through it and go back I out see. and kind of finish on Monday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, from the, the exit to the entrance, it's two hours. So you can either, if you're... Some some people are towing their stuff, which makes it a little easier if you're, you don't have to worry about breaking uh, and getting home. But you can leave your trailer and your tow rig at, at the Tahoe exit and then drive two hours around to the start. Or you can just go to the start Loon League and then kind of run in halfway and then turn around and run it out the other, you know, run it backwards. Yeah. Um, the, the trail actually becomes a completely different trail, though, going going the different direction and a lot of people actually come in the tahoe side and go out the loon lake side so they call it they call it running it backwards but um and it's it's different all the obstacles are different so some of the things that you you know go downhill on which are a lot easier now you have to try and climb up them yeah it becomes much much more difficult keeping your momentum and getting up over ledges 
I mean, uh, so, what 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 is the trickiest section um, uh, in the in the trail, coming or going? Um, if there's one specific spot, um, little so you can you can look these up on you know YouTube too if anybody's yeah. interested. Little Sluice is a really good fun place to watch. Okay. Um, Soup Bowl is an optional obstacle that is um, pretty famous, and and then Big Sluice is the next kind of hardcore obstacle that everybody has to go through it's a it's a downhill steep incline through boulders the size of volkswagen beetles yeah um, yeah and then and then the last day the obstacle is called cadillac hill and it's a it's a shelf road it's a really shallow like really narrow road on the side of a cliff that you got to kind of with a bunch of switchbacks that's got a really steep incline up I see. And then when you guys, when you actually leave the trail, I mean, because obviously some of, a lot of these vehicles seems like it, because uh, it seems like you guys have a quite uh, um, serious uh, regulations regarding um, vehicles um, on um, on on uh, public roads. And um, is most of these vehicles go back on their own steam, or is, is some of them actually trailed back home? Because um, I've, I've just the few guys I've spoken to, it seems like you guys have got a lot of issues when it comes to uh, sounds like the Australians when it comes to you know uh, tires sticking out of the um, mud guards or size of tires or lifts or all these things. Yeah, I mean it's not too bad here. Um, it's kind of regionally based, I would say, but yeah, I think you're allowed to go two inches to the side of the car. Um, then you have to have like a mud flap or something like that. But it's um, yeah, mo most of them drive home and I don't have any problems. Um, yeah. I mean, they're we're kind of on. I mean, they're big for for the rest of the world and Land Rover fans, but for you know, relative to you know, parked next to a brand new Jeep, it doesn't look anything different. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, it's just you know, for us this side of the world obviously things tends to be a little bit more slightly more relaxed when it comes to these type of things so uh you know my 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 series doesn't even have um seat belts um and it's um you know looking you know if you look out towards especially uh, and even the uk um i was speaking to a guy last night and you know to go through the mot with his old series land Rover is like it's like a nightmare you know you kind of go on your knees the night before and pray for the vehicle to just pull through the, 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 the next day. Um, so it's just always interesting to see what other guys have to actually go through to just to get the old vehicles um, through the tests or MOTs or, you know, keep it legal on the road. We have the same thing, but it's with the smog regulations. I see. So the vehicle up until 1975 or newer has to pass an annual smog check or every two years pass a emissions test yeah um so that that's i always say we struggle with that more than anything else um we california doesn't currently do safety inspections and vehicle inspections um otherwise we would probably all fail and be paying them lots of money all the time um, sure because that you know rovers they are always leaking oil somewhere and that would exactly that would fail a <laughs> fail in safety inspection so, real quick yeah. So luckily, <laughs> luckily, we don't have that in California. I know some of the East Coast um, states have much more stringent 
challenges and stuff like that. But luck luckily, we uh, if, if it can pass smog, you're okay. So uh, I see. Yeah, you know, the, now that you mentioned uh, the states, it's just it's quite interesting. Uh, you know, if you listen to a variety of podcasts, not necessarily vehicle related at all. Uh, it tends to everyone tends to paint a very kind of bleak picture of uh, California as a whole um, for the last uh, twelve months or so. I mean, uh, is it really that bad? Because I, I doubt, uh, or I, you know, at least you know, I, I doubt that it could be as bad as most people tend to to make out uh, of the situation uh, down on your side of the of the states. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what they what they're calling bad, but it's. There's definitely far more regulation in California than the rest of the states, and far more than than we need. And, and yeah. So that's the that's the unfortunate thing there. Um, it's it's a very large state with a very diverse population group, and then unfortunately, um, it's you know there's the concentration of people are all in one area, and so that the, it's not really a kind of like an even political and even thoughts across for everybody across the states, I would say that's, that's probably the one most one complaint that kind of gets nationally yeah. related. So, um, but it's, I mean, everybody's been going through COVID restrictions that are kind of above and beyond, and, you know, and that we've proven to see in other states are a lot less and doing just yeah. fine. But, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things like, you know, everybody's got an opinion on it and uh that's the thing about opinions no one's right <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah man it is true i guess you know i guess uh it um that's kind of you know 2021 or that the the day and age that we're living in it's exactly that you know everyone has an opportunity to to give their opinion um yeah. and that doesn't mean uh, you know it's necessarily the truth um I guess. And a platform nowadays too. I mean, yeah, yeah. exactly. So. Well, that's exactly the reason why I try to spend as much time away from signal somewhere alone, um, out in the, um, you know, on the beach or somewhere in the mountains, um, with, uh, either camping or, you know, just doing a little bit of overland trip, uh, cause it just seems to be much more healthier out there than, you know, where there's signal and people and, uh, opinions and platforms for them i guess um yeah i mean i think where you guys are located in you know south africa there's there's so much to go out and explore i mean into the you know into the into the back uh, country and see the, the wild animals and everything and the safari style stuff i've always wanted to go do that yeah um, sure i mean that's what the you know that's what this part of the world is famous for is kind of the the big five and the the, the animal uh, life around the side which um, luckily for us, obviously, uh, now, especially um, going into the future, there's so much uh, private uh, nature reserves opening up. So obviously, a lot of the country is uh, farmlands, uh, private property, and um, some of these farms are, are massive. So uh, slowly but surely, a lot of these farms are actually turning into nature reserves and parks and so on. So it's actually quite cool. Like on the way between me and uh, Cape Town City, it's like an hour's drive. Uh, a lot up the coast and uh, you know like halfway uh, to to Cape Town on the left we've got a reserve where you tend to see the the rhinos and the giraffes uh, I think they've got like six or seven giraffes or whatever and sometimes you know each time you pass this uh, reserve it's kind of a 
a flick of the coin if you're going to see them or not because sometimes they graze right up to the fence and sometimes you know they've you can't see them they're somewhere on the other side of the farm um <laughs> you know so that's quite cool to to obviously observe um uh on a trip down to the city yeah that, that does sound cool yeah uh but yeah obviously um you know i guess it's what you make of it you know uh all of us have um space to play uh you just kind of uh need a little bit of an adventure and uh, uh the right vehicle i guess to to make it happen yeah so, yeah that's the neat thing about it each each place around the world has got their own kind of unique um landscape to, to navigate through and yeah exactly and like you know you guys are probably looking for places to store fuel <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well, uh, actually, luckily for us, we didn't have any any fuel shortage. Um, but um, ever since the latest uh, election, obviously, our fuel prices um, is connected to what happens uh, your side. So we did have an increase in fuel uh, price, unfortunately. Um, so uh, you know that's always a, a, a yeah. I was thinking more. I was just thinking more about going into the backcountry and not being able to find a, a fuel station close by. Ah, yeah. Well, actually, you know, thinking about it, we've got um, from, from between me and Namibia, we've got a place called, uh, well, the, the kind of a province, the northern province. And uh, that's quite, uh, you know, all the little towns and so on is quite separated time and distance from each other. But um, there's actually not so many places. Uh, if you've got like two jerry cans, uh, you're pretty well off, I would say. There's one or two spots I, I think that you could run out of fuel. But for the most of them, um, you know, unless you go into like some uh, private reserves where you end up doing like, you know, 20 kilometers a day, but it takes you like seven hours to, to do that 20 kilometers because of sand or rock or whatever the case might be. Uh, but for most of it, you know, we at least for the with the little Land Rover, I can get to most places uh, with a full tank and um, two jerry cans on the roof. So um, it's uh, luckily for us, we we've we've got a uh, fuel, uh, you know, most most spots, uh, clean fuel at least, you know, uh, not uh, dirty fuel that you'll tend to find up in uh, Africa. Uh, you know, when you go to Nigeria or these type of places where uh, fuel becomes a little bit more of an issue. Great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's not too bad then. Yeah. Anyway, man, listen, uh, before we go, um, I just want to quickly double check with you. Your your um, page for the Land Rovers that we've been talking about so much of is Jeth Rover, Jeth underscore Rover. Yeah. Um, and then you also have your other account for your photos, right? Yeah, I have a personal account with just my name captured by Greg. Uh, Greg and underscore uh, Bodine R underscore photos. Uh, no, it's just uh, captured by Greg Bodine. Ah, okay, cool. Uh, is there any other place where uh, you can actually like buy prints or uh, copies of the photos that you're taking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're um, they're all for sale. There's a link uh, in the bio of the Jet Rover one that takes you to. Um, um a website or you can buy buy any of the prints and then if you see anything that you want you can hit me up um, and i can send them your way as well because i don't necessarily keep that website updated as much as i should i see cool 
Well, listen, man, thanks so much for taking the time. I know it's your lunchtime and it's kind of, uh, you, you're going back to work now. So uh, thanks yeah. for taking the time. And uh, I'm looking forward to the photos uh, post uh, Rubicon then. Yeah, yeah. We'll have some coming up from um, the Hellhole trip here in a few, couple of weeks too. So that'll be Sure, fun. that as well. Definitely looking forward to it, man. Great. Thanks for having Cheers, me on. Man. Yeah, have a good week. Bye. Cheers, bye.